0: All right, guys. So, on the heels of um, the whole popularity around the Last Dance, I'm sure most of you have been uh, have been watching um, and following closely. Just as, as the weeks go by, um, the documentary on, on Michael Jordan um, on the 1997-1998 uh, on Bulls team um, and, and everything that really you know transcended through uh, through Michael Jordan's career. And, um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of debates about, uh, about LeBron, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, like, you know, who's the goat, who's the best player ever, all those different things. Um, and, you know, as I've been watching, uh, this, this documentary play out, um, you know, I, I found myself more, um, thinking about how, how this whole thing relates back to, um, uh, recruits and prospects and high school players, and, um, you know, I found myself sitting there watching episode six last night uh, thinking about, you know, what are the common denominators, uh, you know, you see with, with, with Michael Jordan, he had, um, you know, this, this unbelievable will to win, um, you know, at, at any cost. And, um, you know, it had me thinking about the common denominators that really exist in, uh, in highly recruitable players. And uh, not, not just high major division one players, not the kids going to Duke and North Carolina, although it it does apply to those kids, but uh, you know, players that are, that are genuinely coveted uh, at any level. And there's, there's uh, a difference between uh, the way that college programs pursue and talk about the program changing kids that they're going after um, because there are things in addition to their skill that, uh, that, that make them more valuable, that make them more coveted. And, um, you know, before, before I dive into some of the common denominators that, um, you know, that, that I've grown to appreciate or or see over the years, um, you know, I I wanted to give, I guess, a, a quick, um, backstory into what's, what's led up to this point or why, um, You know why? Why I even I guess have the confidence to uh, to speak on the topic. So uh, really, over the over the better part of of the last decade, um, so since two thousand nine, I've been heavily immersed in the in the grassroots basketball community, both high school and AAU basketball. So. with, uh, th- that's, I guess, as a, as a coach. So as a player played in high school, went and played, played at the division three level, um, uh, had a successful college career, um, I guess, depending on how you define successful, but had a successful college career, um, you know, played, played on winning college teams and, um, you know, really just, just learned a lot about myself, a lot about the game, uh, played a lot of minutes, um, played in a lot of big games. And, um, uh, so I had, a, had a healthy career that way. And, um, you know, quickly my, my career flipped into, into coaching and, um, coached initially for the first four years, um, on, on non-sponsored independent teams, um, bootstrapped, um, you know, coached a lot of division two, division three level kids. Um, even at that time, coached a couple kids that went on to play division one basketball. Um, and then, uh, after my fourth year, then, um, started uh, coaching for a, uh, for a shoe sponsored program. So I started coaching for D one Minnesota at the time it was called Minnesota pump and run, but started coaching for D one Minnesota. And obviously, you know, with shoe circuit teams uh, or fully sponsored programs, you know, you're largely uh, coaching, you know, more, more division one players. Again, still a lot of kids that are going on to play division two every once in a while, kids that go on to play division three. But uh, I, I, I say that not to, not to speak to, um, my, my great ability to, to coach, uh, or to develop talent, but more so, uh, just the experiences that I've had with kids at, uh, you know, a variety of levels, um, you know, going all the way from kids who just really wanted to get a roster spot on a division three team all the way up through kids who, you know, would eventually go on to be, uh, McDonald's all Americans or college all Americans or NBA players, uh, multi-year NBA players, um, and, and everything in between there. And so, um, as time has gone, um, you know, dealing with hundreds of kids, a uh, ton of different personalities, a bunch of different parents, in different high schools, different trainers, different approaches to uh, to development and the, and the whole process that is, um, you know, that is the, this pursuit of, of college and you know potentially pro basketball or, or just making basketball uh, extend as far as it can go um, a lot of different factors that went into play there. But over time, probably more interestingly, uh, you know, common denominators that started to shake out, uh, and, and become apparent regardless of, um, you know, how much money a kid came from or the high school program that they played for. Cause you know, I, I really have, you know, I, have coached kids that, um, or better around kids that have, that have gone on to, um, you know, be NBA draft picks that, you know, played on, on high school teams that, that weren't a lot better than 500. Um, and, and you know, I've, I've gone on a coat or I've coached, um, you know, division three players that, that have played on, um, you know, state championship caliber teams that, um, that that you know went on to have you know Division three college careers or or even kids that that weren't recruited at a very high level at all, and so uh, what I wanted to talk about just kind of inspired by this whole uh, you know rhetoric that's going on with uh, the, with the Last Dance is, is some of those common denominators that uh, that I've seen in just highly recruitable players and again setting aside. The skill and the talent, because your skill and your talent is really what differentiates you, and those natural abilities, obviously as well. If you have size or athleticism, uh, explosiveness, any of those things, um, th- those are the things that really differentiate the, the levels. Uh, but but what makes what makes kids highly recruitable uh, is is one of the things that's more interesting to uh, to me. So uh, you know, the, the first thing that that I've noticed uh, or that that I've come to realize over the years is that. Kids who are truly coveted by college programs, when kids are called program-changing recruits, uh, they, they they have a genuine, unshakable confidence about them. And so, but by that, I, I mean their their belief in their abilities are, are disproportionately irrational uh, to the naked eye. So the, these are kids that believe that uh, they can go in and they, they can impact the game or they could go in and, and, um, will their, their team to success or will themselves to success. Um, even maybe outside of the boundaries of, of what other people would, would think is possible. And so th- this is where, you know, you see on the road, uh, out at, you know, some of the bigger AAU tournaments. Um, and I, I would, I would venture to guess that, that any of you who have been around the game for a while, even, even if you're, um, you know, a youth basketball parent and are at the, um, you know fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade levels. Um, you know, you go out and play these teams that are um, that are that are nationally ranked or recognized, or you go play against you know a higher level higher level player for the high school kids, you know, kids that have certain scholarships or rankings. Um, and And every once in a while, you'll see um, you you'll see a kid with very little to no recruitment or no rankings or recognition. Uh, you know, genuinely go out and outplay those kids or, or teams that, uh, that that go out and um, you know have just a wild amount of success uh, against teams that or against teams that that it's it's really inexplicable. And um, a lot of times, what, what you end up seeing is uh, there's this unshakable confidence about those kids or about a couple of kids on that team that that really end up changing the complexion of uh, the way they go about their business. Um, In the class of 2000 and what would it have been? Um, It was Ray Allen's select team. So they were out of the Milwaukee area. Uh, Riley Lachance was on the team. Um, It would have been the graduating class of 2000 and 15 or 2016. Uh, but they had the, this team of, of honestly, physically unassuming kids that, um, you know, I don't think anybody was over maybe six, 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 seven. Other um, guards were pretty modest size. You know, nobody was, was a freakish athlete. Uh, they all shot the ball really well. They executed their offense well, but more than anything, uh, the kids were just tough as hell. And they had this unshakable confidence about them. And um, at their different, at their different levels, you know, Reed Timmer went on to be um, an all-league player, even potentially league MVP or, or up for it at uh, at Drake. Riley Chance went on to be a very good player at Vanderbilt. Um, and they, they had some other, uh, you know, less heralded guys who, um, you know, in their own rights went on to be successful and um Regardless of whether or not those kids were coveted at the highest level, um, they they had this unshakable confidence about them that made them highly recruitable at the level that made sense for them. And a lot of those guys went on to be program-changing kids. Um, w- within that within that conversation about confidence, um, you know, the, you you oftentimes can tell a lot about a kid by how quickly they respond to um to mistakes or miscues during the course of a game, and and, and how. Uh, how challenging is it to, to get that kid to kind of spiral out of control? So whether it be a turnover or a kid's getting trapped and pressured or, you know, the officials aren't, things aren't really going their way or they, you know, they airball a shot or opposing fans start getting on them or a college coach comes to watch. Um, how quickly does that uh, that prospect allow, uh, you know, external factors to impact um those those uh, miscues snowballing on them. And, uh, you know, really recruitable players uh, consistently make sure that one mistake is only one mistake. Uh, you know, so it's not a turnover isn't going to turn into a missed shot. If a coach gets on a kid, it's not going to make them curl up on the bench. Uh, they have very short-term memory. And uh, that, that's a really powerful thing, especially, you know, in a sport where so many different things can happen and, and there's constantly... Um, something impacting the box score at all times. Uh, the kids who don't hang on on every little thing and just move on and they again, back to the theme, they have that unshakable confidence where they believe in their abilities more than they believe in the result of any one possession. Uh, it's it's wildly valuable. So uh, again, the first thing that I, that I would say is is that uh, highly recruitable players have have a level of unshakable confidence. Um, the next thing that, um, that I've consistently seen over time um, is is this craving for competition um, and, and again defining what competition actually means um, you know I think a lot of times and I bring it back to the conversation of, of what they talk about with the last dance you know Jordan was so competitive with, with other people. And if you challenged him, you know, he would want to go at you. And that is definitely a form of competition. It's, it's, it's really valuable and you want to play on the biggest stage and, um, you know, against the best teams and you go out in those situations and you want to perform at a high level. That's, that's definitely a form of competition, but, for the really elite players that I've been around and that I've watched, whether it be at our events, guys that I've coached uh, or guys that, um, you know, you know, I've had the opportunity to coach against um, there. There's a largely intrinsic element to their competitiveness where you can almost see them chasing something that's not standing across from them. Like they have this acute focus on what their version of their best is and they're striving to beat that. So instead of the goal being, I want to be better than that player over there, or I want our team to be better than that team over there. It's, I want to be better than the best version of what I have been to this point. Or I want my team to be better than the best version of what we were yesterday. And the, the, the great, highly recruitable athletes um, are intrinsically motivated in a way where if you go watch them work out, there's something burning them. And, and you know, coaches talk about it all the time. How much does it take to get a kid revved up? You know, do I need to every every day when they walk into a practice, do I got to kick them in the ass to get them going? Uh, you know, do, do, do I need to give them a rah rah speech? Do we need to give them a pair of shoes? Uh, do they need to get something posted about them on social media or? Do they come with their batteries loaded? Is it a kid that, that comes in and they're ready for war because all they're trying to do is redefine what their best was. And there's something that they're chasing that's much bigger than anything that that the guy across from them or girl across from them could, uh, could offer them. So again, the first two things that we're talking about now in, in highly coveted recruits, they have a level of unshakable confidence uh, and, and they really crave competition. And there's a hugely intrinsic element to that. So uh, the third thing that I wanna talk about is um, this unique tolerance for discomfort. So th- there's a couple of different directions that, that I'm gonna go with this. So the first one, once you get to high school and start getting into, really what I, what I would consider to be money time for the recruiting process, which is really that summer going into your junior year, that summer going into your senior year, um, th- this social sacrifice that that comes along with being recruited. And it, it's it's always a discussion point when you start getting into April and you're looking at the live periods and depending on your high school, uh, you may have a prom um or, or, a formal dance um, over over the weekend of a live period, and you got a bunch of friends at school who don't understand why you'd have to go play in some basketball tournament. Um, you know, during during you know what what is is largely dubbed as um, you know one of the bigger social events of the year for for a high school student. Um, the the highly recruitable players are are willing to sacrifice socially in a way that your your average run of the mill kid and, and talented kid that colleges may recruit um you're you're really recruitable athletes not only are they willing to sacrifice but they almost crave that sacrifice because they know that others aren't willing to give up the same things that they are to get to where they want to get and so there there was a kid that I had the opportunity to coach the last couple of years uh who who had had the um honor of uh representing the United States in um in, uh, or the, the, USA team for, um, for the international three on three tournament. And, uh, you know, one of the best players in the country, top 25 kid in the country, um, ended up being a McDonald's all American. And, uh, this past, uh, this past, so the summer before last, so the summer of 2019, uh, he was, uh, he went to Mongolia for what I think ended up being, you know, the better part of three weeks. And, um, you know, on their, on their chase for a gold medal. And, um, you know, he's playing with a couple of, of the other top, top players in the world, or the top players in the country, I'm sorry. And uh, they ended up going on to win a gold medal. And on the surface, it's fun to watch from a distance. And, you know, we, we look at it and, and say, wow, that's a really cool experience that, that Dawson got to have and all these different things. But when you really take a step back, how many seventeen or eighteen year old kids would really be willing to go out of the country for three weeks and forego one of the best summers that they could potentially be having socially in their entire lives? Um, so when you take a step back and look at it, it's it's um it's not as simple as um you know just going out and getting to do all these glamorous things. There, there's a genuine level of social sacrifice that goes along with it, and you know those of you who have played full summers of, of grassroots basketball, both family and prospect, um, you're giving up a lot socially to be able to go do those things. And the kids who really um, you know, seek out those opportunities and understand and embrace that sacrifice uh, because they know the gap that it creates, um, those are the ones that set themselves apart. So that's the social aspect of it. But then we also have the physical side of it and the physical sacrifice. So so when you talk about the workouts with skill trainers, with strength and conditioning coaches, uh, lifting with your team, uh, you know just conditioning in practice, uh, you know your body is constantly going through change, and you're playing through pain and fatigue, and there are so many moments where you could easily say to yourself as, uh, as an aspiring prospect or or just, you know, as a human being, uh, man, this is hard. I I feel like I could take this drill off. I feel like I could maybe not go as hard as I need to go. I feel like, um, you know, I feel like I, I, I could, I could use a week off and the challenging thing becomes as you pursue things at a higher and higher level, there are less and less people around you that truly understand what you're pursuing and the level of consistency that's required there. And so your surrounding audience or your your inner circle uh, at times, if you're not careful who you have around you, uh, they may subscribe to the same belief that, you know, you've been going really hard. You could take a day off or we could go on this vacation. And I'm not at all... Promoting or selling that uh, you shouldn't have fun, you shouldn't have social time, but the the highly recruitable, the program changing prospects, and and as you get to college, the program changing players when you get there, and when you get into the real world, those that are willing to sacrifice above and beyond, uh, you know, gen- generally speaking, um, the ones that do it consistently. They they do end up moving away and separating from the pack, um, but it takes an amazing level of sacrifice and a willingness to be uncomfortable and to be alone, um, because there, there's there's not a lot of people that are ready to walk that path, walk that path with you. And uh, you know the highly recruitable uh, prospects are the ones that have this unique tolerance for being uncomfortable, both socially and physically. So, so the last thing that I wanna talk about is this hunger and thirst that has existed in all of the highly recruitable players I've been around. There's there's this unquenchable thirst for feedback and for new information um, and, and ways to get a leg up. And so you'll see oftentimes these are folks who, you Know if they're not playing, they're watching the game in some way. It, it's uh, on off nights, uh, or if they don't have a game on a Saturday, like they're fine, they're, they're going to a game or they're watching games on TV, they're watching college games, they're watching the pro game. They have a favorite player, uh, they have players that they're modeling their game after, and not as fans, but truly trying, truly looking at uh, these these individuals and looking at these teams and trying to figure out what it is that they're doing to be successful and then emulating those things. So when I'm sitting there and watching um, the last dance last night and Kobe Bryant said, you know, I get so frustrated when people ask me who would win in a game of one-on-one between me and Michael Jordan, because there is no me without him. And Yes, Kobe Bryant is one of the best players ever, and Michael Jordan's one of the best players ever, but it's a common denominator that I see down to the level of recruitable prospects at the high school level, where they have a roadmap that they're looking at that they're trying to follow, whether it be a college player or a pro player, where they're trying to, to take moves or techniques or mental strategies and implement that for themselves anything they can do to get a leg up, they're looking for that information and that insight uh, in order to, uh, to to get to that next threshold, uh, to make them that much more competitive, to make them that much more successful. Uh, and along with that, in that same vein, they ask a ton of questions. And, you know, I, I always get nervous when I when I coach kids or I'm around kids that are highly talented, but that are not inquisitive. So that aren't Looking for feedback on their game, or aren't looking for insight into ways that they could, um, you know, get that uh, extra edge. Um, I always get nervous when I see kids that that don't ask, that don't ask questions, because um, obviously, uh, like anything in life, knowledge is power. New information is power, and the more informed you are, the more educated you are, the more prepared you're going to be for your biggest tests. And so, one thing that I would encourage anybody that's pursuing things at the college level. Very simply, start asking more questions. Learn, become a student of the game. Grow yourself intellectually to keep your mind as sharp as you do your skills. So again, as a quick overview here, the four things that we talked about with highly recruitable players, again, I wanna be clear, this is not in order to get recruited at all. Your skill and your abilities are going to be what's gonna get you in the door, but for programs to view you as a program-changing kid, attributes that those kids have, they have a level of unshakable confidence, they crave competition, and again, there's a huge intrinsic element to that, so they don't need somebody to get them charged up every day. They have a unique tolerance for both mental and physical discomfort, and they crave feedback, new information, anything that that can get them a leg up, and they're asking questions in that process. So for those of you who wanna compete at the highest level, who want to be coveted at the highest level, anything you can do to convey all of these criteria, you're gonna put yourself in a much more successful position when it comes to the recruiting process.